And we're not anti-tenant, guys. We like the residents who live in our properties and we treat them well. But you have to pay your rent, all right? It's, it's not like, you know, us against the man concept. That's not what this is. And places where government has put undue regulations on landlords. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Okay, we are live on the Get Real Podcast. Yeah, welcome everybody. Ron Phillips, Heather Marchant here. Hey, everyone. Good morning. Yeah. As promised, we, we are live on, I think, at least three different places, YouTube, a couple of Facebook channels, and then, of course, this will go on our, our regular podcast page, right, in our podcast. And this is our live Q&A to end our series. And we've got a, we got a bunch of questions we're going to cover today. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. At least we'll try to make, we'll try to make it fun. By yeah. hopefully not making fun of anyone who asks a question. That'll, <laughs> no. be, that'll be my goal today. Is, <laughs> Don't <laughs> offend anyone. To have fun without having fun at other people's expense today. <laughs> That's hard for you sometimes because you're such a straight shooter. You're like, it this is. is how it is. it is. So anybody who is watching this on Facebook or YouTube wants to subscribe to our podcast. It's called Get Real. It's the Get Real Estate podcast. You can go to getrealestatesuccess.com and you can subscribe there. If you subscribe, it would be really cool if you listened to a few and then wrote us a, just an honest review. That's all we're asking for, right? Just tell us what you really think of the podcast. And if it's great, well, we love those even more than the <laughs> ones that tell us that we suck. So, but if you think it sucks, then just tell us that we suck. Yeah, that's or, fine. We can take don't it. Don't leave us a review either way. I'm fine either way. So we can take it. We're 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 totally comfortable and secure with ourselves. So you can tell us. <laughs> yeah, we're not everybody's cup of tea. All right, let's get into this, Heather. Enough uh, chatting and bebop. By the way, if you make a comment during this question, then we can can try and get to it as well. But some people have followed instructions, and they've sent us questions, which is awesome. So we're going to start by answering those. Those of you who are on live, we will try to answer yours as well. So let's get into it, Heather. What do we got here? Okay. So our first, man, we have quite a few. The first one was about our amortization schedule. So the question was essentially, I don't understand how you said that the tenant paying off the mortgage happens slowly in the first year and you're barely paying off any principal in the first year. So where can okay. they go to better understand that, Ron? Let's talk about that. And good morning, BJ. Thanks for oh, sending here. good vibes our way, right? <laughs> Amortization. So when you make your payment, you may or may not know this, but when you make your payment, it doesn't all go to principal. You're paying principal and you are paying interest. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the loan, you're paying more principal than you are interest. And as the loan goes on, hello, Courtney, as everything goes on, well, then you, you know, you're going to pay more and more and more, excuse me, you pay more interest up front, pay more principal on the back end. Sorry, I said that completely opposite. <laughs> so the way this works is if you have on 
the properties we were talking about is about a hundred thousand dollar property. So your payment is really only about 475 bucks, somewhere around there. Yeah. Of that 144 goes to principal and 333 goes to interest. So that 144, the next month it's 145, then 145 again, right? Then it goes to 146 and 146. So it, it kind of builds and it builds over time. So that first year, you're only going to have, I mean, if I add all of those up, you, you're probably going to have whatever, 145 times 12. What's that? Man, Ron, that's not easy math. I've been yeah, doing division with my five. kids to homeschool. 1740. Okay. So <laughs> you get 1740 that's paid for you, right? So it's not, mm. it's not 477 a month that goes towards your principal. It's 145. It goes towards your principal. Now, if you go down a few years, you start to get into, you know, almost 200, right? So it starts to get into, hey, I paid $2,300 off this year, $2,400 off this year, right? Hey, Jared, how you doing? And so that's the reason why it doesn't seem like such a really big number. It's because it's really not at that big of a number. But as you go through uh, time, you know, you get into year five, year six, year 10, all of a sudden you're paying the majority of your payment is going to principal, not interest, because you're paying you're front loading the interest because that's in the bank's best interest, right? Banks win. So yeah. when they lose, they win. <laughs> well, a good way to look that up, you guys, if you wanted to see the number for yourself, I really like using mortgagecalculator.org. I find it really easy to use. How I usually do it is I go to save money and then make extra payments, I think it's called, because then I can run calculations on what if I threw 20 extra dollars a month at my mortgage? Like what would happen? How many years would it affect? How many less years would it take me to pay it off? Right. It's morning, words are hard, but that is something that I've used a lot, so. And we're building that into our software right now. So it'll be there. I know one yeah. of the other questions has to do with software and how do you keep track of all this stuff? And we are building a solution to that. It's almost done. Oh my gosh. Sharing with all of you guys. Oh, it's going to be awesome when it's done. It's going to be so awesome. <laughs> it's already awesome for us internally. It's going to be so awesome for you guys when we get it done. Yeah. I mean, our clients have already been really happy. So I like with what we have planned, it's going to knock everybody's socks off. So, okay. Another good question we have. What about cash out refi versus a home equity line of credit? Which one is better? To, to utilize your money. I like this question. So I'm going to run with it for a second, Ron, and give my opinion. But then you can get into a newer property that's not aging. That's usually something people don't think about. Of course, rates and everything on a home equity line matters how much what your terms will be on the home equity line. And some people get a little bit nervous with, you know, the current economy and stuff, because I think we mentioned this in this series, Ron, but that last time in 2008, they can shut down your equity lines and pay off the equity line with your money that's in that, if it's in the same bank as the home equity line. So yep. those are just things to kind of keep in mind. I have clients that get nervous with the extra debt. I have a client I'm working with right now about this and we're strategizing to make sure the replacement properties, or sorry, that's the 1031, there were, there were properties we're using for the home equity line money that those will cover or more than cover the home equity line payment. So we have to, I, I have to work in reverse. I say, okay, what's your payment and how are we going to cover it with rental property? So anything you would add, Ron? Not really. I mean, I think that if you're choosing between two different loan products, just choose the cheaper one, unless, <laughs> you know, the extenuating circumstances that Heather was talking about really play into your decision. Other than that, then the decision is really, do I sell the property? Do I keep it? Yeah. 
And another question we have is into my first property and I'm trying to get comfortable with not seeing the property and not being familiar with the property. So mm. buying remotely is scary. And that's a question we get a lot and actually less often than we used to. I don't know about you, Ron, but I used to hear that on almost every phone call, maybe five years ago. And now I think people can see the writing on the wall that it just doesn't work owning yeah. rental properties in some areas. Yeah. And I think that some people also have gotten to the point now with technology. I mean, technology mm -hmm. has really made this something that people can get more comfortable with. I mean, you can drive down the street. When I first started doing this, Google didn't exist. I mean, we printed out MapQuest because yeah. you couldn't take it on your phone, right? MapQuest. When, we, when, I, when I would go speak in California, I had literally had MapQuest <laughs> printed out, right? Um, and I had the the map book with the pages that you would look up. That's, and that was only in 2005. I mean, everybody thinks that, you know, that was like, no, when I was a kid, we didn't have the internet, right? So no. this stuff is, is, is advancing so rapidly right now that... This just makes it a lot easier for people to to do. I mean, you can you can drive, you can literally drive down the street and see what's going on in the neighborhood. You can see if there's bars on the windows. You can see if the property is there. You can see what kind of condition all the neighbors are in. You can all of this stuff, which makes it a lot easier to do that. I think. That said, yeah. it doesn't take away the fact that the property is not down the street. You can't go give it a hug whenever you want. But if you yeah. want to make, you know, if you live in California and you want to have good numbers, well then. You don't really have a whole lot of choice. There's just mm -hmm. not a whole lot of choice. You know, if you live in in Manhattan and you want to get something in Manhattan, well, I mean, that's a whole different ball game from mm -hmm. what a you probably can't afford it. Um, B, if you can't afford it, the numbers are going to suck. You know, they have rent controls in those two areas, right, and several other areas in the country. So it's just not. They don't work the same. Yeah. So how do you get comfortable with it? I think doing it makes it so that you're comfortable at some point you just become numb and i think on the show we talked several times heather about the fact that people for whatever reason feel comfortable investing in companies that they know literally nothing about yeah, zero they know, they know zero about the company and they don't they know even less about the leadership of the company and what's going on and what direction they're taking and yet hundreds of thousands millions of dollars invested in these companies nobody knows anything about them and they're yeah. not in their hometown. It's not like they can go to the board meeting and hang out, you know, and figure it all out. That's not what anybody's doing. The same thing, the different asset class. Yeah. I would start small. I would just start with one property, dip your toe in the water. I did talk with one client one time. It was actually really fun. I talked to them live. So in person, which doesn't happen very often, and he's probably listening. And I said, um, he owned properties locally in Utah. And I asked him like, well, how often do you go buy your properties? And his face, I can still remember it. He was like, oh, that's true. Like I, like I, they had, I think, I don't remember, but they may have had management that they hired or they just had really easy tenants. But he's like, yeah, I never, I never go buy my properties. Nope. <laughs> he's like, maybe a year ago. I don't know. And yeah. so I think asking yourself some of those questions, like, why do I want to buy remotely? I mean, not buy remotely and buy locally. So, yeah. Yeah. What's the big deal? Like, I mean, if you're not going to go anyway, what difference does it make? Yeah. And if exactly. you are going to go, like, what are you going to do? You're going to drive by on the outside and go, Hey, I own that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. like you're knocking on the door and you're going to go in and say hi to your tenant 
and you know walk around do an inspection i mean that's that's not what's going to happen so i think that's a really good question like, what exactly is it that's the difference really what's the difference i have a really good one ron finding how do i find the right people to work with property managers, handymen, et cetera, et cetera, that aren't going to screw me over. So I actually was at an event and someone came up to me and asked me that. And this was at an event where, you know, where there are different people who are going to get up there and present about different things, different parts of real estate, different mm -hmm. ways to invest in real estate. How did you know your niche? Like, how did you know what to, what to do? And I said, look, here, you're going to have, you're going to be presented with uh, countless options, right? One of them you're going to connect probably not so much with the, uh, with the thing as much as the person mm -hmm. who you do business with is really, really important. And I like to tell people they should trust their gut, trust your spidey sense, whatever you want to call it. Right. That generally doesn't lie. If something feels off, it usually means something yeah. off. And, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us have this, well, we all have this detector in us, right? I think it's built in us because of who we come from, which I believe is God. So I believe we all have innately in us, we have a, a meter that tells us when things are wrong. I think just some of us choose not to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. In myself included at times. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, want to hurt somebody's feelings or, you know, it's easier because I don't have to vet anybody else or whatever. Or but, you, or you doubt it. Like, well, maybe this yeah. isn't my inner voice. Yeah. 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 But generally it is. <laughs> yeah. When in doubt, listen to it. That's Same true. thing with a, with a property. We've had people call Heather. I know you've had people call and say, man, I just don't, it just doesn't feel right. This property doesn't feel right. There's nothing wrong with the property, you know, mm -hmm. per se. And what do we tell them every time? Follow it and we'll cancel it. Yeah. No problem. Yep. Look, <laughs> if it doesn't feel right, that means something's, I don't know if it's, maybe something's going to happen in your personal life that's going to make it so that this is not a good idea. I don't, I don't really know. But mm -hmm. if your gut tells you don't do something, then don't do whatever don't the do. something is. Yeah. You know? yeah, exactly. Same thing with who you're working with. But Heather, the way we found the best people in almost every sphere of our business mm -hmm. has been through referrals. Yeah. People who you know, like, and trust will send you to people who they know, like, and trust. That's the best way possible to do it. And today we are connected in a way that we've never been connected. I mean, Heather, I, I put out on uh, Facebook when I was not on my sabbatical, I put it out on Facebook. <laughs> You know, we need a realtor in XYZ place and I get like nine people. And crazy thing is, is that three of the people said the same person. Well, that yeah. gives me good yeah. odds, right? That means <laughs> that person's probably good. A, it's my my friends are telling me. B, it's two or three of my 10th friends yeah. have told me. So there's there's ways you can do this, I think, and, and be good at it. And they're your reputable friends. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if they're not, maybe you should rethink the whole friendship right. thing on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think one thing we do, we have a person internally that helps vet our property managers and she's awesome, Erica Rocks, and she will call and man, she knows all the questions to ask them too. So I know a couple of things she asks them are about their software, how many properties they manage and how many members of, are on their staff that help to like how many actual property managers that help 
interface with the tenants, things like that. Do they have in-house maintenance? Do they outsource that? So a lot of those things. And of course, reviewing their management agreement, making sure they don't have a lot of extra charges that they're charging you. So once we get to that point and we have a referral, we often still go and ask them hard questions. Okay. I like listening to you, Ron, because then I get to sit and listen to all the things that we could be missing. So. <laughs> Makes it so easy. Okay. Let's see. Right. How do I know the right price point for a property? Should I buy new properties or with less maintenance, but higher upfront cost? That's a good question. Yeah. We already talked about that in the series and I don't know that my answer is going to change. It's a personal decision, <laughs> right? Yeah. You, I mean, it's a risk reward ratio and you need to figure out whether or not you want more or less calls if you want more stable tenants and you know maybe a little bit less cash flow or if you want to roll the dice a little bit on an older yeah. property that's been renovated but you know probably doesn't have the same quality tenant pool and you know probably is going to have a little bit more maintenance and you know you're going to get probably get a few more calls from your management company it's up to you and you know i have one quiet client specifically that rolled the dice really heavy on the older properties they did really well on almost all of them yeah. One of them just didn't. So you know what they did? They just sold it. Mm -hmm. They kept all the other ones and they sold that one. And they made out really well, really well. But arguably they talk to their management company more often. So I mean, if you're a really busy professional, they were, they're retired, so they don't care. Yeah. But if you're a really busy professional and you don't have time for that kind of stuff, then, you know, probably new construction is going to be good. You know, it's mm -hmm. probably what you're going to want to do, but that's a, that's a personal thing. And I, that's something I, that we go over with our clients. I know. Yes. Yeah. I mean, preferences and sometimes clients don't know their preference and I can hear the preference in their questions. They'll say to me, well, what, do, what happens if the tenant doesn't pay and what do I do with that? And they'll ask me questions that expose their fears that tell me usually like, Hey, at least for the first one, let's go really conservative and let's test the water and see when you're ready. So yep. I was talking to a client last night who's bought his properties have had to check all of his boxes in order to work for him. Right. I mean, every box, good school district, everything has to be checked. And I said, maybe since you've been doing this a little while longer, you can go a little higher cash on cash and you can uncheck maybe one or two boxes. It doesn't mean that all of them have to be checked. They're still great properties. He probably wouldn't have bought almost any of the properties I own besides one. So because he was pretty conservative. So I think There's nothing my, wrong with that. Right? I know, Just, exactly. Yeah. Yep. For myself, I buy both. I buy new construction and rehab, newer, older, mix it up. So another question is about how to evaluate a deal. How do you know if the deal's a good deal and if the numbers work? And I think mm -hmm. we talked extensively on that. Well, I'll give a general synopsis. I think it's just, you look at how much it can rent for and subtract all the expenses and see what your cash, what cash flow you'd have left over annual cash flow divided by your down payment. And that's how, you know, the cash on cash return. That's yep. probably the, that's where we start. <laughs> yep. That's the, that's the best place to start. And there's a bunch of other stuff. We, if you missed the episode, yeah. a few episodes back. I mean, I would go and check that out because we talk extensively about how to do that, how to figure it and all of the different ones that there are so yeah. that you can, you can get a, a more full picture of that. But, but that is where we start. Oh, 
They talk about this one has self-directed IRAs. I have concerns making sure I operate according to the IRS law. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. (laughs) I would hire a full service custodian, someone that can help you know that you're keeping in line with the laws. So So. some of them out there, have you put an LLC in there so that you can do it yourself and they're really hands off and they really don't help you very much, which is, looks great on fees. But on the flip side of that, if you screw something up and you haven't had a full service one that you can call and say, Hey, is this going to screw up my entire account here? Then I would recommend, we always recommend full service. It's a little more expensive, but man, to protect your, your money and your returns and everything that you're working so hard to keep away from uncle Sam, why would you want to risk having uncle Sam come in there and smack your hand really, really hard? I just don't think you really want to do that, but yeah, I have a client that accidentally commingled funds. Like he accidentally paid a bill out either out of the IRA or in personal funds for an IRA expense, either one that's commingling funds. Right. And he, I mean, the stress for like two years, just waiting and seeing if he was going to get audited for one little, like $200 bill or something. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Not worth it. My opinion. Yeah. I refer you to a great one too. If you, if you need one. Yeah. We have like several we love, but we have one that we utilize most and that that's where really, that we really love. Yeah. <laughs> I swear I hold my money, my, my money there too. Okay. So owning in a tenant friendly versus landlord friendly state, because we kind of talk about that, I think, as if people understand what that means. We've talked about it a little bit on an episode, but it's been a, it's been a while where we talked about that. Anywhere they tell you what your rent can be, run. Yeah. Run, run away anywhere that you know your tenant can live months and months and months while you try you know multiple times to evict them not landlord friendly right that's very tenant friendly and we're not anti-tenant guys we like the residents who live in our properties and we treat them well but you have to pay your rent all right it's, it's not like you know, us against the man concept. That's not what this is. And places where government has put undue regulations on landlords, you should not be a landlord, in my opinion. Yeah. And I and in those places, there's not enough housing for people. And it, and the reason is because the government has screwed yeah. it up and made it so that investors can't make any money. It's not hard to tell what those are. Just do you can just you know Google search for, you know, landlord friendly states and there'll be a list and tenant friendly states and there'll be a list. You can tell what they are and they'll tell you why as well. Mm-hmm. It looks like we have a question that came in live. So live. it says, do you have any tips for dealing with property managers? There's a fine line between being a pest and being informed. Mm. I think that's, that's a great question. And I think I actually have an episode planned with our one of our better property managers covering this very topic. Like your ideal client, this, the, to pose the question to the property manager, your ideal client, how do they communicate with you? You know, how does it work really well? What can they? What can our clients do to help make the process better? So, so I just heard that Heather promised an episode specific to the question, Jared. <laughs> That's what I heard. I mean, that's big. I don't know, Jared, if you know how big that is. That's big. 
You're the only question out of all the questions so far is getting their own episode. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I feel I, pretty good about that, Jared, if I were you. I think it's just because Heather likes you so much. That's Jared is the best. So yeah. I think it is a couple of tips that I got from our property manager when I met with her live were to email her rather than call. She says, she told me, she said, Heather, I just am on the phone with clients sometimes for 30 minutes at a time. And I have so many people I work with, so many owners. And she said, so I end up having less time to really work on solving problems because I'm on the phone talking about the problems. That was one thing. And then Jared, we talked about this a little bit, but um, like lowering rent gradually when you have a vacancy rather than too quickly so that it's harder to come back up on rent. There were a couple of things like not to panic was something she said specifically that she's dealt with with multiple owners who get really nervous with a vacancy. So we, we went through that. I mean, we had three houses in a row uh, in Memphis and two of them rented the same house. Mm. And the third one sat there for a little while and nobody knows why. We got tons of apps, but they weren't approved. And, you know, sometimes the, you know, the rental gods don't give you the right tenant and yeah. you just have to wait a second, right? But <laughs> it's all good. Ended up okay, you know, but that is a little bit weird. You know, we kept calling them like change. Like, what did you, nothing's changed. Yeah. Chill out. It's okay. Yeah. It's all going to work out. Uh, and it did. So, yeah. It's hard to be patient when you're on the hook paying the bills, but that's uh, one thing. Maybe just trusting your property manager that they know what they're doing rather than second guessing them. Not directed at you and pers personally, Jared, just because I don't think you're that way. But some of my clients in the past have kind of doubted them that they don't know what they're doing first. Like instead of doubting themselves, they doubted the property manager first. And so my cautionary advice is just to trust them. They're in the market. They know what they're doing rather than, you know, cutting the legs out from under them and, yep. and they don't, they're doing it wrong. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. We've got time for like one, maybe okay. two. Another question. Is there more maintenance or things to be aware of in colder weather climates? I don't know how more, but different, no. different. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, pipes can freeze in cold weather. So, you know, having, making sure that you, you've got a house that was renovated correctly and that, you know, the pipes are taken care of, making sure that, you know, tenants aren't eating half the house and not the other half the house. Man, other than that, I, I don't really know. Yeah. It's every area, right? I mean, in, in yeah. Utah, you know, people say that it's really harsh because the sun is, you know, you're closer to the sun. It's just, it does more damage. Well, here where I live now, there's salt water, salt air. That's a bug. You have a lot of bugs. Yeah, you have a lot of bugs, but they don't, they don't really hurt your house. I, mean, I was yeah, really you, concerned about the bugs when she was here. Um, you can't, I wasn't used to walking through the grass and getting bit by bugs in the grass. That was really yeah, weird. Figures. My kids there were afraid of the grass. <laughs> Outside of Utah, all you people from Utah and maybe even a little bit left out there in the arid area, in the rest of the country, there's these things called chiggers and, and they're nasty little buggers. They're brutal. Because I, I would, something I would add is Birmingham is not super cold, but you have more chances of termites in that market, right? Mm -hmm. So there, every market has its thing. And uh, I have had one client that didn't handle her property correctly. We'll just keep it short. And it's a pretty good story, but she had no 
potentially no heat in her house in the winter months. And we panicked because having, if you have a vacancy, making sure you keep the thermostat at a reasonable temperature, you don't want to yeah. cut the heat off, which some people don't really think about. You know, we had that issue. If you on live in Southern California, you would never think about that. Yeah. Um, or Alabama or down yeah. here in Charleston, you know, except for once in a blue moon when it actually freezes so hard down here that it would freeze your pipes. Right. I was telling you, Heather, in house here, we the yeah. water heaters are in the attic. So funny. You know, I, I was like, what? That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> and, you know, my buddy that was here, I was calling him, I'm asking about all this stuff. He's like, well, it never freezes here, dude. Like, it's not dumb. Like, there's, there's no reason to not put them up there. It's wasted space to put them in the house. And I'm thinking, man, you know, and they didn't have heat tape here. Nobody knew mm. what heat tape was. But yeah. where I'm from, everybody knows where, what heat tape is. You know, you wrap it around the pipes so that they don't freeze. Well, mm -hmm. there's just some things like that that you, you know, so pro tip on the whole pipe thing. Most of the time this happens during a vacancy. Somebody turns their power off and leaves your house. The pro tip is to call the utility companies and make sure that they revert to your name or make sure that the management company has a revert to their name so that they never get shut off ever right mm -hmm. so if if they if the tenant shuts them off it automatically reverts or if the tenant gets shut off for non-payment they automatically revert right mm -hmm. so that you're never without power and you don't have your pipes freeze so i'm going to sneak in one last question ron because i think it's nice for us how can you how can i use your software <laughs> just call heather uh, she'll hook you up you can email us at invest at rpcinvest.com. I'm not giving out my phone number on a podcast, Ron. Come on. Or on a Facebook Live for that matter. <laughs> but you can get a login to our site and go in and see the software. So it may not always be free. Just throwing that out there. It definitely will not always be free because I can tell you right now, it is not free for me to develop it. Holy so, cow, like yeah, two years of running. <laughs> it's so expensive to develop. Anyway, it won't, <laughs> it's not going to be expensive. We're never going to make it expensive, but no. uh, there, there's going to have to be a cost at some point, but it's going to be really cool, like mm -hmm. ultra cool. Already is very cool. And those of you who are in there and who are using it and who love it, mm -hmm. keep doing so. We love your feedback on it as well. So, yep. Anyway, there's our Q&A to end our series. We've got some other questions. I don't know. Maybe we'll do this occasionally. We'll, we'll throw up a, a live and do some Q&A. We're going to go back to our regularly scheduled program now, which is once a week. Once a week. Once a week. Right? Sounds and really right. nice right now. It's been hard yeah, to yeah. get. <laughs> so hopefully you guys enjoyed this. If you did, you know, share it with everybody. That's all we really ask. Just share it with everybody. Give us a review. Like us. And then most importantly for all of you out there is to do something with it, right? Mm -hmm. So till next time, go make something happen. Do it. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.